0: to the first in a newer series that I am uh, getting ready to bring for y'all. Um, the uh, music in our world podcast has thus far just been sort of an interview based kind of thing. Um, but I also think uh, to be able to you know be able to uh, have more to have more content available for y'all. Uh, it makes sense to try to do kind of a solo thing. Um, And I think, you know, my experience and insight is broad enough and, uh, you know, thoughtful enough that, uh, you know, if you're listening and you follow what I'm doing, you may be able to get something out of it. Um, And also, I think it's really cool to sort of start um, promoting, I guess, the idea that Um, A lot of what we do kind of involves discussion and collaboration, um, which I think is is one of the things that that got me to uh, choose the topic I've chosen today for the first episode of this. Um, So, there will still be interview podcasts, not like a complete format change, um, but I just want to have these sort of other uh, very likely shorter episodes sort of in between the interview ones. Uh, and that way you guys can be hearing from me a little bit more frequently um, as the other projects I have are, are, are getting underway. So um, just kind of at the at the very top, um, this is one of the things that I'm going to be launching, the, the solo podcast thing. Um, I'm going to be doing, uh, of course, more interview podcasts and um, sort of discussion topics. Um, I've also uh, decided to... Step into the world of video. So, I've got, I uh, posted a couple of vlogs this summer and I uh, started a YouTube channel. It's all under the same Ornith Music brand, so uh, it should be pretty easy to find, plus, I'll link everything profusely, of course. Um, but there's, uh, I've talked with a, a couple of my friends from college that are off doing great things. Um, that I think they need a little bit more time and a little bit more, uh, in depth coverage of what's going on. Cause I really do think that it's, it's really awesome. What's, what's going on. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start adding videos, uh, sort of probably adjacent to the podcast. It won't be completely separate, but it's not going to be just like, you know, the podcast won't be a, just the audio from those videos. It's going to be a kind of a separate thing. So, um, Kind of be on the lookout for that. I'll still be uh, shorter vlogs. Anything under ten minutes, pretty much, will we'll more than likely also end up on uh, IGTV if you're an Instagram person. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited about being able to do some of those things. Uh, also, YouTube uh, allows more in-depth uh, exploration of you know composition. So I, I mean, I could probably do that in an audio-only format. But uh, being able to kind of see a score and kind of see the process, um, I think that's gonna be really, really neat. And uh, it should be pretty interesting. I know that like, if some of my favorite composers or my um, you know, composer peers um, were able to kind of document their process, I, I know that I would be super interested in that. Um, so it's a little niche, but um, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to, to create some of that content for you. But what I wanted to talk about today, um, and I, I kind of alluded to it earlier on some of my blog posts, is the uh, success I had in Virginia this summer. So um, it's it's kind of back to school season, or a lot of places have been in school for a couple of weeks, um, and you know I'm kind of following all of my teacher friends' posts and folks I know that are teaching full time and. Um, I don't envy them in, in many ways. Just being being a teacher full time, um, it always felt a little stifling to me. Um, I do love teaching. I you know it, it's just one of the couple of things that I want to be able to say that I do a lot. Um, I like I like helping uh, people get better at something. You know whether it's music, whether it's technology. Um, I mean those are very broad. But you know, those are, those are kind of my, my little worlds that I'm in. Um, so when I do get a chance to teach, um, it's really it's really nice for me because I get to kind of uh, be a little bit more involved. It's it's a project based thing, like you know, with with marching band and summer camp. But it's also um, it's also like getting a chance to, to work with people, um, and I, that's that's really the main. My main idea uh, for this episode is, you know, what what to me, in my opinion, makes a successful in this particular uh, instance. What makes a successful marching band camp, or marching band show, or marching band season? Um, I know a lot of these things sort of parallel with the guard world, or even you know winter percussion, or winter guard, or you know, indeed, concert band. Um, all of this stuff can apply pretty broadly. Uh, but for the purposes of this episode, because of the anecdotal uh, evidence I'm providing, uh, I'm going to pretty much relate it to marching band uh, as, as it goes there. Uh, but I think the the most important thing is uh, communication. So if, you know, let's say that the the goal is to have a good marching band season, there's a couple of things that need to happen for that. For that to fall into place, um, the whoever kind of at the the helm of everything, in most cases, that is a uh, you know director of bands or high school head director or assistant director who has been specifically tasked with uh, putting together the marching band season. That person has to be um, profusely organized. I think is how I normally describe that. Um, you know dates and and budgets and all of that stuff the administrative side of things that needs to be done um, not only early but super thoroughly and it also needs to be sort of constantly revisited and updated um, and also you know with, as, as all those parts of things fall into place um, if there's any other people that are going to be involved uh, some you know if you if you buy a show in a box you need to be uh, write-up, you know, um, you need to be pretty close with the people that you're buying the show from, because even though, yeah, oh, we, may, we have that in stock, and we can send it to you, and it'll take a week to get there, well, sometimes that happens, and sometimes it doesn't, you know, there's there's human error, there's busy seasons, you know, if you wait till June to order your music, or your, your entire show, uh, you may not get it in time, or you may not be super pleased with it, and not have any time to rectify it. Um, you know, well, Sometimes it works out, but a lot of times um, you, you, if you let that communication slide, even though it seems like it's a relatively simple transaction, it may it may not end up working in your favor. So uh, communication with, you know, if you're going to buy a completed show, um, that needs to be taken care of early. Uh, but in, in sort of my world, and a lot of the people that I talk to and something I advocate heavily for is a custom design show and um, the benefits of that uh, probably would serve le- uh, better in a, in a later sort of separate podcast specifically about uh, pageantry art show design which I've, I've been kind of taking up some notes for and um, you know would love to share my thoughts on that with you all but let's say that for better or worse we're going to work with custom arrangers and uh, Speaking as a composer, arranger, show designer person, um, I want I want like lots of time to do it, just because um, it's not yet a full time thing. It's it's kind of hard to uh, you know really make a living arranging marching shows because even though they um, are a pretty nice surge of income around the fall or if you do winter shows, you know around the beginning of the of the spring, um, you can't really sustain yourself on that uh, year round. So that's going to be something that you have to do in conjunction with, you know, living a normal life, maybe working a part-time or even full-time job. You know, some some arrangers and designers are, are full-time teachers, so um, all of that stuff needs to be happening. You know, I think I think we started... I put my first note on, on paper in, like, January before handing the show to the kids in... We actually got it out in May. Um, but, you know, you let's say you started... July fifteenth or whatever, or August one, um, with a complete show, you'd want to be working on that at least that long, just because there's so many different elements that go into creating a successful show. Um, so, you know, the the person kind of at the helm of everything needs to know. Okay, I'm going to have such and such person arranging this, or such and such person arranging that. Um, so, you know, let's if you're working with Uh, one person to write winds and percussion, which is, I think, more rare than anything else. A lot of times there's, you know, a wind arranger and then a percussion arranger. Uh, But let's say you're working with one person or two people, for example, in the music regard. Um, You know, the the concept needs to be kind of already formed. Uh, It's not something that is... Ideally, you would want to sort of develop the concept... um, and you know find some arrangements get a get some cuts ready to to put notes on paper as just as soon as possible you know and and maybe even have some ideas in the bank as a band director Um, and you know speaking to that point my my experience this this time um, in in the the summer of 2019 was was very much that way like i said i think it was like january i sat down with the head director and the um my, my friend arranging the wind parts, and we were like, yeah, we have this show idea, we want it to sound like this, we want it to be about this long, we want it to feature these sections, um, and so there was there was not as much gray area, those of you who've ever composed or arranged, you know, there's there can be lots of gray area, and that's hard to work through, um, again, especially when you're working on a, a more of a time crunch, or, you know, oh, the kids start camping a week and they don't have any notes in their hands. Um, if there's any gray area, like, I don't know what we're trying to say here. What's the story supposed to be? Um, it's hard, but in this, it, in my case it was very, very, very clear what we were, what we were going for. Now that's not to say that it can't change because our show changed quite a bit from, you know, conception to arrangement to, um, audition process. We changed a couple of things in there, um, uh, to actually implementation. So, I mean, of course, that's one of the things and I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, uh, but you have to be able to start from stable ground. You, know, you have to have the foundation to build the show upon and um, to make something successful. And it can be simple. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that takes three months to create, but it should be ready three months in advance. Just you know, barring all negative things that could happen. Um, so um, now that's just the music. If you think about what happens, what takes place on the marching field, um, there's a bunch of other stuff that happens, um, and that kind of has to happen concurrent with the music, or even a little bit after, um, you know, the, the the guard has a huge role to play in any marching show, and their uh, capabilities and goals should be also taken into account. I think we did pretty well with that as well this, this time, um, we worked with the guard instructor, and. Um, you know that person was, was very hands-on in you know designing the costumes, talking about potential choreography ideas, uh, talking about pacing as far as like how is this music going to go, like how can we contribute, how can we work together to make a, a cohesive idea. Um, you know we, we had some, we have two characters in the show. We developed those characters um, at that table before that first uh, before the first note was really put on paper. Um, and it was, it was great. So was, as I was you know, writing some of the percussion music or as the wind music was coming together, we knew, okay, this character is going to be uh, doing this action and telling this part of the story and contributing this way. And we're like, okay, so they probably shouldn't be uh, you know, playing super loud or they probably shouldn't be playing at all here. Or maybe they need to be playing the, the main lick from the, the first theme or something, stuff like that. Um, all of that stuff was, was pretty much, um, spelled out beforehand, which is so great, so, so great. Um, you know, but then we, we hit, uh, the end of the school year, we already knew, um, we knew what the guard costumes were gonna look like. I think we even had everybody sized. Um, so, you know, that's just, it was just huge. Like, the, there was no questions, you know, that that no big questions. I mean, we had some details to work out, but there were no, no big questions um, as the kids left the school year, the previous school year, with their music in their hands. Um, and what I mean, what's really cool about that, and I will I will brag on this group that I worked with quite a bit. Some of those kids like had their music memorized and passed off uh, before the school let out. That's huge. Um, you know that that's that speaks to the culture, which I'll get into a little bit later this episode, um, but that's, that's another big thing. If the kids have it, you're going to have kids that are going to really knock it out of the park and really start, um, as soon as possible. I mean, they're, they're so excited and, you know, it's going to be their life for three months and it might be their first or second marching band show ever that they've ever done. Um, and so it's, it's really nice to have something to hand those kids who are really, really going after it. Um, but, you know, that, that kind of leads me into as far as, you know, the show being prepared. Let's say that we've got the music. We even know what the characters are doing. We know what the costumes are going to look like. Um, the next, the, kind of the next step and why it's so important to be uh, ahead of the game with the music is because uh, the next thing typically is going to be the drill. Uh, the, you know, the marching formations on the field. So, you know, what happens if It gets time to to start learning the show, and the music took so long that there's only one movement of drill written. Well, what if you know all the music, and you have to kind of stop or play part of your show at a standstill? Sometimes that can't be avoided, and, you know, the early competitions or football games, I think everybody, you know, everybody knows such a big production that a lot of times, yeah, you do a movement or two standing still, or maybe you only play two or four movements, um, just because that's all you've marched. And that's, you know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I I experienced what I consider pretty much to be the ideal situation. Uh, you know, the, the, the kids left their, their first, their, their previous school year with the music in their hands. So they had the music in May or like early June. Um, they came back at, you know, towards the end of July. And the second day of camp, they got their dot books and their drill spots. The entire show was done you know if the if the music is finished in march or april which i think it was i think we finished maybe had like one or two small edits in may um but we handed that that music to our drill writer and that person got to work i mean they're you, he, they're able to do that because the whole thing is realized and you know we we made some small tweaks of course as as is always the case as should be, always be the case um but we were ready from day one to put that show on the field, and that's that. That being that level of preparedness, I think is, you know, definitely an, an ideal situation. And there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, you know, the the sort of the band director, the person the person running the thing, um, they have to know they have to know and communicate with a bunch of different people. Um, and you know that that happened for us. It doesn't always happen, but um, it, it definitely did this time. Um, you know, all of the show was created and ready to go. Just it's just it's great. It's wonderful. Um, so after after the show is created, and let you know, even after the kids have the music, um, you know, their the the program I was I was working with, they have. Not not a lot of band staff at the high school, and by not a lot I mean there's one full time person, and then me for you know six weeks out of the year, and um, a couple of folks that are kind of nearby who do a, you know, master classes or private lessons. So um, the sort of organization and communication things become super super important when you realize, uh, oh man, if I you know if something falls through the cracks, I'm here by myself. Um, you know, again, not the end of the world, but not a deal. But um, that was another thing that was just really wonderful. Um, you know, every day, every time, every, you know, even every day had a breakdown uh, and every staff member was sort of kept abreast of that information. Um, I'm, I've, I've always been one of those people, like, I don't mind a weekly email. I don't mind a daily email even. I don't mind a text message like, hey, did you get that email? It's got some important stuff. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, because I want to know what's going on. Um, it's, to me, it's, it's always going to be more important to sort of um, over-communicate that sort of thing. Um, it's, it's, always, it's always great to know that someone's, someone's organized, and what it really is is, you know, we, we value each other's time, so we, we want everybody to know what's going on and when, um, so that, you know, the, the right people are in the right place at the right time, and that definitely happened um, this year, so... Um, the, the staff, it's such a variable thing, um, I, I will speak a little bit to that because I do think it's important, um, and especially in a, in a small staff, it's it's gotta be, you know, the, to me, the, the approach is the kids have to come first. If the show is ever overtaking the kids, um, as far as like what's taking up all of your mental power or your time, um, you know that's not that's not ideal, and I think eventually that can that can lead to some bad kind of results. Um, so it's it's always a pleasure to work uh, work with Clover Hill in that regard because the people I teach with are very invested in the students. They're very capable. Um, you know, there's a lot of really great and varied experience that, that comes through. And that, that's extremely important, and you know the kids the kids are first, and and they should be. Um, and that's going to be something like oh well this, you know this person's not having a very good day, and they're not doing. You know they're not doing well at the rehearsal, or they're not hitting their spots or whatever. Um, and I, I think I, that's going to take me into my sort of my culture idea um, and why that's important. Um, you know when I was in high school, sometimes it was like. Um, oh, you're not having, you're not, you're not hitting your sets. Well, maybe, you know, maybe try harder. Maybe it's as simple as that. Well, sometimes it is, and that's that's an important distinction to make as an educator or or even as a student. Um, but sometimes, like, there's stuff going on that is not something you can just simply get over. Um, and so, I hope you know, I, I always make a huge effort to let my students know that. You know, marching band is a thing that I, that we all like to do because it's a lot of fun, uh, but it's not the only thing that's happening on the planet. Um, and it's, you know, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes there's other stuff going on. Without going into anything specific, you, guys, you can all imagine when you've had a bad day at rehearsal and it would have been great to just, like, I just need to take, like, ten minutes and get off the field and get my head straight because X, Y, and Z happened or X, Y, and Z is happening. Um, and I need to just chill out because I'm not hitting my sets and I'm not getting better right now so um, you know it's 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 a place to to learn and, and be pushed but it's also not um, it's not the military it's not a professional endeavor uh, it's kind of a fun extracurricular activity that can yield lots of great results if you do it right um, and it's so to me, that 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 begs the question: Well, what is doing it right? You know, how do you have a successful program? Um, and that you know, people ask me like, well, what do you think success is? I've I've had this conversation with a couple of really close friends, and um, if you're looking at like just strict metrics for it, which sometimes is a good idea, sometimes is not the most telling. But to me, the the best metric um, is is not a judge's score or a trophy or a certification or whatever that you would win—it's um, to me, it's retention rates. So, for example, you know, let's say that you've got a class of your senior class. Let's say it's ten kids out of a hundred. Um, you know, those, you know those kids are going to graduate and go do better things with their life. You've got ninety kids that, in theory, uh, could come back to your program. And to me, if you if you retain 90 kids, you're doing something very very right. Because I mean, 100% retention rate is is tricky in in the ideal situation, even because you know kids move, there's schedule issues, there's health issues, um, there's academic things that that always need to be taken into consideration. Um, but I always look at that. You know, how did we do? Did um, did our did our juniors feel like they really wanted to, to knock it out of the park and, and spend their last year in high school in the band? And um, especially, like to me, when when marching band is not a requirement, like it like it's not at at the school I was teaching at, um, then you know they don't have to be there. But if they really want to be there, and they'll you know pay the money, invest the time, and learn the learn the stuff, um, then that to me is a huge indicator of um, whether or not you're you know doing that part of it right uh, now there's programs that that don't operate very organized and are not necessarily very high achieving but that have high retention rates to me that's still you could still call that a successful program um, now if you want like sort of complete success there's a couple of other things obviously that need to fall into place but if you're, you know, if you're keeping the, the high school kids that are there, and you're getting a big freshman class, if you're impressing the middle school kids or junior high kids that are making a huge choice whether or not to be in band in high school, um, then if, if those numbers are high, then I think you're doing pretty well. Um, and just just looking again at, at sort of numerical metrics, as much as they are relevant to the question. Uh, a successful program um, should pretty much be. I, it's it's different in in different places. So I think there's, you know, we do uh, in in Texas. It's like I don't know. There's one, two, three, four. I think one is one is the highest rating. Other places do like excellent, superior. Um, other other words like that um and to me if you're if you're programming well if you maintain a good culture with a lot of retention um and you're giving at least a base level of technique and literacy then for most states that i've seen or heard about um being in either the the top level or the second level um to me that's that's success uh it's not it's not winning every single trophy and taking every caption um, and, you know, marching marching circles around everyone else on the planet. There's there's so many things that go into winning. That's, that's to me, a separate discussion. Um, but to be successful, I think, you know, if someone were to randomly walk up to your band and be like, huh, those kids march pretty well. Not like, oh, that's the best show I've ever seen, or, oh, wow, or all those kids in drum corps. Like, no, those kids have a pretty good basis uh, in, of skill. They know what's going on. Um, that to me is a pretty good indicator. That that actually happened. Someone uh, unrelated to the program came up and was like, wow, your kids have really good marching fundamentals. And, um, you know, to me, as as someone who contributes heavily to the the marching basics and the movement of the band, I was like, that's the coolest thing that I could possibly hear because, you know, it it gets hard sometimes because all you notice as an educator sometimes is the people who are not achieving or you notice the kids like, man, you're just like half a step off. I wish, I wish you were right on, right in line. Then someone comes in and is like, man, as a band, you guys have a really good basic uh, set of skills, um, and that's good. That means, you know, on average, the kids are buying in. You know, the the personal achievement of every student. It's it's hard. It's hard to mandate that. It's hard to quantify that because, and especially if someone's just walking up, since it's a, a, a three-dimensional and you know something that deals with time people have bad days someone who hits every set one day might go to a competition and miss five of ten holds on the show you know um, but just to sit to for someone to, to put it that way that to me is success if you're consistently getting you know your ones or your twos um that's good or you know another way to think about it is if If the scores go up every year, you know, if you start at a place and start building your culture and start building some technique, maybe you get, you know, a 2-2-3 or something out of three judges. They think uh, you're not quite there, but almost. And then the next year you get a 1-2-2. That's a pretty big improvement. And then the next year maybe you get a 1-1-2. And then maybe you get all ones the next year. If you look at that, um, that to me is another way to tell, like, oh, is this program successful? well, it's getting better, uh, on the sheets for whatever that's worth. Um, it looks like in general, the, the basis, the average level of achievement is going up as a band. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's great. That's another thing that I think is is pretty much happening here. I've, I've been with this program for, for two years. Um, and I've noticed a lot of market improvement in a bunch of different areas. So, um, uh, the, the, what is what is success? Again, it's subjective, and I definitely love to hear your thoughts. You know, um, the, if you you know want to reply, shoot me an email, or you know talk to me on Facebook. Um, this you know these these um, podcasts will go out in, in sort of blog form, so you can always reply to the blog on the website or on Facebook. Um, I'll also be linking to them on Instagram. I would love to hear you like. That one specifically. What to you makes a successful program? Um, To me, if the kids are happy and they have basic skills, sweet. Um, Now, from there, you can you can build and let's say let's be a uh, a winning program. Let's let's be a high achieving one. Um, Well, it's funny. I mean, all the same kind of things sort of sort of build into that. If you have, um, you know, if you're organized and you're communicating well and you're collaborating well, uh, you know you're going to probably end up with a show that's written well for the band. And if they move well and play well, then that's going to eventually, um, you know, lead to some, some trophies or some medals. Um, and that's, that's, you know, I, I do want to speak a little bit briefly about that with the, uh, the show design thing about collaboration, um, and how, how ideas take form. Um, one of the things that's really cool is, uh, you know with with my experience in designing for marching band and indoor drumline and even a little bit for winter guard um you know i've i've got a sort of unique experience to someone that maybe hasn't ever designed any of those things maybe has just marched um and a lot of band directors never really find the the need or desire to to arrange a show <laughs> um and so they'll, you know, they'll hire someone and some people, you know, oh, I, I was in marching band in high school and now I'm writing marching band shows or I did one season of Winter Guard and now I'm writing choreography. and go. You know, that's that works. Uh, but there's lots of people. And, you know, I'm, I'm only 30. There's lots of people that I marched with um, that have some really great ideas and that are really diligent and really great collaborators. Um, I think it's always important when you're thinking about show design um, to collaborate, share ideas, like have some. Share them with the people that you're working with and be okay with maybe tabling one of your ideas or changing some some parts of it if if they need be. Because again, it's not about it's not about you. It's not about any of the staff, it's about the kids. And so if someone's like, Oh, you know, I heard this kid talk about this show or this specific piece and maybe you didn't hear the kid say that, but and maybe you don't like that piece, but what if that what if Playing that piece would make that kid's entire year the best year ever. You know, it's that's a pretty specific, you know, little hypothetical, but that stuff happened. I've I've, I've actually seen that more than once. Um, so you know, um, it's always good to to have that sort of uh, open mind. Um, and so you know, collaboration is, is is my my second big thing after communication because um, it's it's really hard to do anything alone and it it doesn't doesn't really ever need to be done alone you know um if if everybody's where they're supposed to be then your designers um should be bringing great ideas to the table and you know sharing and and collaborating with that with that sort of thing so um i think that's that's kind of the the basis for what i kind of want this first episode to be um you know, just a little bit of uh, expounding upon my experience that that I that I have, and um, kind of relating it to a real world thing. I, I do want to tell you a little bit about the show that we created um, for Clover Hill because um, I'm 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 pleased with it. I, I think the kids are doing well, and I think they're going to sell it um, sell it well. Um, and it's all to me. It's always fun to hear someone talk about. Um, you know, project they've been working on, especially if it's if it appears to be going well, and it's something like this where it sort of develops over time. Um, and it's also, I mean, there's as a anything that's going to call itself a music podcast that deals with marching band. I think a show design uh, segment is okay. Um, but this year, where we did a show called "The Cavaliers Return." <laughs> um, the, the mascot for for the high school is, is the Cavaliers so it kind of worked really well um, that's that's a nice recognizable character I think we that was you know thinking okay we're, let's do a story show we, we kind of did an environment show last year but like I think these kids are ready to you know tell a story and, and sort of act a little bit um, and so we came up with this idea that um, the 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 band is kind of, uh like townspeople almost uh, you know we, we we put we put a lot of this in um sort of pre-renaissance era music sort of um, it actually starts with the uh the kids are, are chanting on the field like actually singing um and it's a really really neat effect because um well one we get to talk a little bit about like uh breath control and, and sound production in that regard but we also um, it's it's a really nice sort of haunting vibe because it's a little minor pentatonic thing at the beginning, um, and so it was, it was really cool to just sort of see that take take shape and see the kids like really get into it, um, and it really sets a neat vibe. So we we, we start the show with some singing, um, and right away we do have we have one of our guard members is was selected as the maiden, and we have a baritone soloist. Um, was selected as to play the cavalier um we we toyed around with the idea of just making it a like a sort of visual only role um but we had some kids march jersey surf and do really really well with surf and we're like it makes sense you know these kids are going to go do this thing um let's let's have it be a playing person let's add that simultaneous demand Uh, because i think that they'll they'll get into it they'll hype it more but also um it will you know the it'll be a lot more impressive because, like, oh, man, you taught your, you know, 16-year-old baritone section leader how to dance and play his horn at the same time. That's really neat. That's not something that happens at every school, even successful programs. So, um, we went ahead and worked with a, worked with a playing soloist, um, and they are, uh, they're in costume, of course, so the the baritone soloist has a the same uh, costume as the conductors, so the you know the, the the band uniform is kind of white with green and gold on it, and um, the drum majors and the cavalier are both kind of in black and gold. So they stick out. Um, uh, the band at large marches with shakos, and so the cavalier and the drum majors both have or all three have ossies. Um, so it's a really really nice, pretty clean look. Um, the costumes were. I mean, they're, they're nice and elegant, but they're very simple. There's not a lot of parts. It's what, it's a tunic and uh, dance trousers. Um, but it sticks out on the field. You can definitely tell, you know, against white band uniforms, there's a black and gold Cavalier with a gigantic green feather. Uh, homemade, by the way. Um, uh, performing ballet maneuvers in the middle of the, uh, the front of the field. So, um, basically what happens, you know, the show's called The Cavalier's Return. Um, the the show opens with the cavalier and the maiden sort of uh, courting one another and um, getting getting to know, and it's it's very evident that like oh they're you know they're together they're a couple or they're becoming a couple, um, and then we, we hear a sudden uh, horn call from uh, what is supposed to sound like an off the field trumpet. It's it's a really really neat effect. It's actually just a, a trumpet player on the other side of the field. Um, we use horn calls to kind of signify things are happening in the show. And so we have one, you know, little horn call that uh, sort of summons the cavalier away into the forest. And we don't know where he's going, we don't know why, we, we just know that he's been summoned and that, oh um, man, he's left and is he coming back? And we're so sad because, you know, he's he's the cavalier, of course. Um, and so um, he actually leaves. We have some really cool tree props that are, that are on the field, um, and he kind of is hidden from sight. Um, and then from there, we have a um, sort of a, uh, a, a intense lament that uh, sort of briefly sets the stage for our triple meter and our, you know, our F minor key um, going into the Maiden's theme. And so uh, once the Cavalier leaves, we kind of get to know the Maiden a little bit, Um, and, uh, the, the, the first movement's kind of feisty, it's, um, it's in triple meter and it's, you know, got a pretty good clip to it, um, and it's, it's really solidifies the theme and the, um, the sort of feel of, of the whole piece, um, it's, it's repetitive enough to where, like, you cannot mistake that, and it's a super catchy theme, um, I, I give I give all credit to my uh, friend Marcus Grant on that. He he knocked it out of the park with that. Using a lot of baseball analogies lately. I don't know. I've been listening to baseball podcasts, but um, the uh, the the maiden's theme is, is is very memorable. And I you know the parents left left the preview show humming that. So it's like okay, we did something right. Uh, and so the, they they kind of play that, and that's get again sort of just setting the environment. Um, Then we have uh, we sort of snuck in a a short little drum break. Um, It's uh, it's a movement I actually kind of wrote top to bottom. I I wrote the wind parts for it because we weren't sure what to put between the maiden's theme and the ballad. Um, And so uh, we were like, okay, let's do something kind of different. So it was in you know it was three four and F minor. We're like, okay, B flat major four four. You know, it's breaking. Crazy new ground in marching Van land, um, but it's a little different. And since it was going to start with a percussion feature, I just went ahead and, and scored the wins for it as well. Um, it's more, it's more fanfarey. It's a lot more brass-heavy than uh, some of the other movements, um, just because you know we wanted it to be a little bit more powerful. Um, and we have we have some like really really great brass players uh, that I wanted to kind of show off a little bit. Um, so we, we ended up kind of scoring the uh, what we call the percussion feature as um, as a little bit more brass heavy and a little bit more fanfarish and straightforward. Um, so we, we kind of moved from the that percussion feature into um, so that the cavalier actually sort of returns to the field and um, he makes kind of a big deal about it the. the um, the percussion feature actually starts off with horn calls from a trumpet, then a uh, mellophone, and then the the cavalier actually comes in, reveals himself to have returned, um, and then we we're um, we're celebrating a um, little bit, little briefly, but he kind of comes in and unites the town, and um, it's it's a really it's a really fun movement. We get to show off the percussion section a little bit. Um, Especially in the, you know, the front ensemble this year is just, just killing it. Front ensemble is doing so, so well. Um, um, So that we wanted to, we wanted to be able to kind of show off their work and their achievements a little bit. um, And have a, have a nice big sort of stock marching band moment um, with some heavy brass stuff. We then go into um, the actual sort of lament um, with the ballad. It's... You know, it's very, it's very the maiden and cavalier. Uh, no, nope, I missed you so much. I was, I was away, and now i I've returned. But it was so sad when I was gone. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a beautifully scored, um, wind book for the ballad. I just, I'm so, so pleased with it. Um, you know, I just, I, I wanted, to I wanted the the winds to really shine there. So when I was writing the, the drums up, I was like, well, we're gonna, we're gonna pull this back. Um, towards the back half of the, um, the back half of the ballad, we actually do have like a, a small little low brass quartet, which I sort of snuck in there. Um, I'm a, I'm a low brass person, sort of. I try to, I consider myself honorary. Um, I don't know why. I mean, I've, when I was a band director, I learned how to play baritone and trumpet. Um, and actually I just bought a tuba, so... I, I'm giving it my best, my best try, but I've I've been I've always been impressed with what, um, you know, uh, bell front and valve brass can, can achieve, especially on the marching field. So, um, we wrote a a, a short little uh, quartet for a tuba, two baritones, and a trombone, and I'm so so pleased with how they're doing, and I cannot wait for them, I cannot wait to hear what that's going to sound like uh, at the end of the season. Uh, it's a really moving moment, I think. Um, it's just showing like how how good it is to have the Cavalier back, and how you know these these the townspeople sort of have this reverence for him. And it, it's it's really cool. It really helps to me kind of sell the idea of the Cavalier being a very significant figure for these people. Um, so we have we have the uh, the sort of the low grass feature again, and then we start a. Um, It goes into the closer, which kind of goes back to our triple meter thing, sort of. Um, But instead of 3-4 or 6-4, it actually is is a true 12-8, almost like a jig. Um, And it's definitely scored in a a dance-like manner. It goes back to F minor, which I think is really interesting because it sort of plays with the ideas. It was every minor key or is any sort of, you know, uh, I think we actually use uh, F Dorian quite a bit. Is any sort of minor third, minor seventh idea? Is that really sad, or is it just how we kind of perceive it? Um, and it's to me, it's not. It's not really sad. Um, and the the movement certainly isn't. The closer is, is very celebratory. It's very very happy. Uh, we feature our woodwinds a little bit. Um, it's a really cool drill move too, because we have a stage on the field, and uh, we're like, okay, what's the best way to to let help the woodwinds project? And I was, you know, if anybody asked me, I was like, I oh, put them all in a big clump together, and that is precisely what happened. Um, they kind of take over the stage, and um, you know, we have our clarinets and our saxophones and our and our piccolos. Um, they go up there and they shred for a little bit, and then um, it's just it's a really cool mo- uh, moment there. Um, so when we were continuing with this dance idea, but uh, what happens next? I, I can't I can't remember how it actually came about if it was supposed to be, if it was like an accident or if it was what we kind of meant to do. Um, but we we end up with this really fascinating metric modulation. So we go from 12.8 to 6.4, um, and I was, when I was, we were doing it because the, the, the closers, I think about 120, I think we might have bumped it up a little bit. But, it's not particularly fast. It feels like it's, it's got some motion because of the triple meter. But uh, what actually ends up happening is when we go into 6.4, um, at any given time on the field, some of the the marching members are marching 180, uh, which is a lot of fun to watch. Um, it's super, super exciting. Um, there's a, a couple of really nice low voice moments. So, you know, the entire bass clef um, um, have a, a big, a little bit heavier uh um, with uh, still you know keeping a motor in the front ensemble um so but it's a lot of really interesting things happening at once so we've got like half time marching we've got quarter time marching we've got dotted quarter marching um and we were we weren't really sure how that was going to work you know it was like how are some of these you know, how are some of these freshmen gonna be able to respond to three meters at the same time and oh it looks so cool the kids are doing really really well with it so we're i think we're just going to keep it as it is um and I just, I—it's going to be such a such a cool thing. Um, so we have the little twelve-eight to six-four thing, and then we go back into twelve-eight. Um, but the meter never really quite resolves until like the very very last push. Um, and so you know, throughout all of this, the the Cavalier and the Maiden are, um, you know, dancing in and around some of the, the marching the marching member forms. Um, it's just, it just it's just really really cool. Way to kind of close it out, um, and the last thing that happens is our we've got you know a big a bigger movement, but the last formation resolves into this giant block on side one, and the stage being on side two. The cavalier and the maiden are up there, you know, doing their princess wave, or their queen wave, uh, and the entire band turns around and, and waves at them and, and joins in the celebration. Like, oh, they're back! It's so cool, cool. Um, so it's. It's a really, really cool moment, and to me, it's a it's a pretty effective show. Um, the baritone soloist is, is doing really, really well. You know, he he's one of the the folks that came back from drum corps, and um, you know, I asked him, I was like, well, what would you guys do any dance?" He's like, "Well, you know, the the normal sort of uh, body movement choreography." He's like, "Okay, well, we're going to go a little bit further with that." You know, there's going to be a time where it's like, "Okay, you've got your horn, you've got a couple of notes to play, but." Um, there's this giant space for you between, you know, the percussion block and the the rest of the winds, And you going to need you to take up that space. And he's like, okay, let's do it. Um, I just every, every time I see the next rep is, is better and, and more cohesive. Um, you know, I wrote some of that choreography for them, but I was like, a lot of this stuff is probably going to have to come from, you know, what you're feeling. What would you do if you were trying to take up space? And... You know, what you do if you were going to celebrate and what sort of celebratory dance. Um, you know, we sent them some videos of the uh, the dance styles that were around the basic, you know, 100 or 200 year span from which we're drawing the music. Um, and it's just, it's been really, really great to see that part develop. Um, you know, the, the soloist and giving those kids an opportunity to shine and work a little bit. So, um, so that's the show. The show. I could probably talk for another you know, 10, 15 minutes about it, but um, I, I, I would definitely, I'd, I'd love to, to discuss, you know, what are some of your favorite show ideas, um, you know, what's, as a designer, as a student, as a director, what's some of your favorite shows to teach, what's your favorite show to march. Um, I always, I always love to, you know, hear responses and, and talk talk shop with people, because um, there's so many different ways to look at it, there's so many different Concepts and ways to achieve a goal. Um, so I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear your thoughts on collaboration. You know what makes a successful program or a successful show or a successful season, and then what are some of your favorites, um, or you know even your least favorites. You know I'm I'm always looking for that too. It's like if I'm thinking of an idea and 15 people have come up to me and said, Yeah, I tried this 10 years ago and it was the worst, or I tried this last year and it didn't work out for us. And be like, Okay, something to keep in mind. But um, so I just thank y'all so much for, for tuning in and, um, can't wait to get this out. I'm going to, um, get it packaged up for you and hopefully we'll release in the next couple of days. Um, but be on the lookout also for my, uh, my YouTube channel, any other blog posts. Uh, you can keep up with me on Instagram, Instagram TV, uh, or you can always, uh, shoot me an email or call me on my, uh, you know, my business number if I've got that got that on now. So, uh, more than happy to collaborate with y'all, uh, and, and talk some, talk some music. All right. Uh, until next time, I will, uh, I will see you later. Be good.